This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi and welcome. Just gone 10 past 2 on this Wednesday afternoon. I guess after a while it is good to hear a live voice here in the studio. Um, when you walk in and you see all the microphones down, realize that it's holiday time in uh, Joburg and around the country, I guess. So here coming to you live from the Chai FM studio on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. First day of Hanukkah. Um, in the Jewish calendar year of 5778. And it's great to be with you this afternoon, share some thoughts with you on Hanukkah. We did start last week a little bit more with the philosophy behind it and the story, the history behind it. But perhaps today to talk a little bit more practically about these days of Hanukkah, as well as to talk about upcoming Shabbat, Shabbos, Hanukkah, and what we do regarding lighting of candles, lighting of the menorah for Shabbos, as well as for Hanukkah, um, and thinking about um, all the practicalities that are involved with it. And of course, then for the balance of this beautiful Chag, for this beautiful festival, going all the way through until, of course, next week, this time, which will be the last day of Hanukkah. So <clears throat> let's first of all talk about the idea, of course, we know as to why we like the menorah. We discussed it last week, the uh, story, history, of uh, that is paramount to our uh, Jewish people, of course, that just keeps on going. And it was interesting when we sat here last week this time, um, everybody was waiting with bated breath to hear about um, whether there would be or there wouldn't be or there was going to be an announcement about Yerushalayim, about Jerusalem. And, of course, um, that all happened, that all transpired, and um, a very big focus then, of course, in this whole Hanukkah story, of course, is Yerushalayim. It is Jerusalem. It is what the world out there wanted to tell us that we had to do with Yerushalayim. It was what the Hellenists tried to do to secularize Jerusalem, to make it into a place much like they wanted it to be. In kind of Greek thinking, <coughs> or the Assyrian Greek thinking, as we discussed last week. And of course, Yerushalayim is Ir HaKodesh. Yerushalayim is the holy city of Jerusalem, is our holy city towards which we face every time that we say a prayer, every time that we daven, whether it's Shachrit or Mincha or Mairev, morning, afternoon or evening. When we have a wedding, the bride and groom face towards Yerushalayim. It is really the center of the Jewish world. And of course, to put it, <coughs> to put it, to put it as it has been done over this last week under the focus is, of course, very, very symptomatic, symbolic, and, of course, in great synchronicity with this wonderful Chag of Hanukkah, where the few triumphed over the many, where the oil that was meant for one day lasted for eight, and where, of course, the uh, right was in the might, or the might was became right, because everything that uh, Yehuda Maccabee and his men stood for uh, came to fruition. And, um, of course, we had Hanukkah, which has two meanings. Chanu, Chafei, which means that they rested on the 25th. It was on the 25th of Kislev, which is today, that all those wars between the Maccabees and the Assyrian Greeks came to an end. And um, they were able to rededicate the temple, and thus the second name, Chanu Chafei, meaning they rested on the 25th. And then, of course, Chanukah, the idea of Chanukat, 
Hamigdash, the fact that they were, uh, you know, when people move into a new home, they often have a party. They call it Chanukat Habayit. It is the establishment, the dedication of a home. And here, of course, we were rededicating God's home on earth with the uh, the the uh, cleansing of the Beit Hamigdash, the cleansing of the temple, and its reestablishment as our center of the world, our center of everything. And of course, it was. Um, Still for a couple of centuries after that, that the second temple stood in Yerushalayim in all its pride and glory. And this was kind of midway between um, in the kind of in the very, very middle of um, the tenure of the second Beit HaMikdash of the second temple. Of course, our two Bate Mikdash lasted for 410 and 420 years. And so right in the middle came the story of uh, Hanukkah with Yehuda Maccabi. And so still for two centuries thereafter, the kingship of Israel was restored. And uh, the pride of place that Yerushalayim took in the world was restored in the pride of place that the Beit HaMikdash, that the temple um, in Yerushalayim and in the world um, actually um, got it all back. So in commemoration of all of that, we, of course, light our Hanukkah menorah. The menorah is lit each and every evening of Hanukkah. By the way, I think we may have discussed this last year. There is a modern Hebrew word for a menorah, which uh, some people believe to be the only name of it, but um, have to burst that bubble a little bit because the word Hanukkah is a very modern Hebrew word, word only invented in the days of and by uh, the Ben Yehuda family when they were establishing and finding modern Hebrew words for the modern spoken language in Israel. It is nowhere actually in Halakha or in Torah per se or any of the um, <coughs> the uh, Halakhic books, Shulchan Aruch and so on. Um, we still refer, it, refer to it as the menorah, although many people think that the menorah was something that stood in the temple. The Chanukia is something that we light on Chanukah. Um, no, they're both menorahs. Chanukia is the modern word that was given to the Hanukkah menorah, the uh, one that has eight branches with one extra for the Shamas. So how do you light and what do you have to light? Well, basically we need a kosher menorah that is that has eight holders, um, and in those holders we can put either oil or candles, and we should have an additional one to that, which is set aside, as we said, for the Shamas, otherwise known as the attendant candle. Now, we can use, as we said, either Hanukkah candles or any candles or oil. Um, now, since the miracle of Hanukkah was dafka with olive oil, um, remember that little bit of oil that was meant for one day that lasted for eight, an oil, an oil menorah is regarded as preferable for a Hanukkah to a candle one. Um, and, of course, then of all oils, Olive oil is the ideal fuel. We should not use an oil that burns black. We should not use an oil that has a pungent smell. Um, olive oil, of course, fits the bill down to the ground. If you can't get olive oil, any other oil is also fine cooking oil and so on. And uh, we also prefer to use cotton wicks, if that's possible, when using oil, because they do give us a very smooth, um, beautiful flame. Now, of course, when it comes to the performance of any mitzvah, we try to get the most beautiful um, uh, way of performing this mitzvah. And so with Hanukkah, it says we should try and have not the simplest and not the cheapest and not the most um, unappealing, but we should get the most beautiful menorah. And therefore, halacha says, Jewish law says, that if it's possible, one should even get a silver 
menorah. Of course, these are frightfully expensive. Um, you don't dafke have to go out and buy one. But when we beautify a mitzvah, it, of course, is our way of expressing to Hashem just how much it actually all means to us. We've got to remember that the candles on the menorah should be in a straight, even line. They should not be zigzag. So not zigzag, kind of, if you know what I mean, from back to front or left to right or up and down. Um, we should not have candles that are higher and some lower than the others. Um, and if it's an oil menorah, the oil cups must have enough oil in them to burn for at least 30 minutes um, from the time of lighting and up to one and a half hours, which we'll talk about a little bit later on for Friday night. If it's candles, the candles should be large enough to burn for that required time. Now, the average Hanukkah candles that you buy in those little Hanukkah candle boxes are quite well um, metered out and established that they should uh, be able to burn for uh, 30 minutes. But an age-old trick, of course, is if you keep them in the fridge um, or in the freezer, they do last just that little bit longer. And the longer that they last, of course, the more we're beautifying that mitzvah. Um, many people have asked the question about the use of electric menorahs or a menorah that has electric lights. We sometimes see people driving around with them um, on the roof of a motor car or sometimes, especially when you travel abroad, you see in uh, banks and in storefronts and so on, electric menorahs. Now, this is a beautiful way, of course, to publicize Hanukkah. But um, when we're lighting our menorah at home, we should either use wax or oil, of course, with the exception of someone who may be um, in a hospital or uh, where it's absolutely impossible, where one should speak to your rabbi to establish and to find out exactly how you can fulfill the mitzvah of Hanukkah lights without actually striking a match and without lighting um, a, um, a, actually a flame, but rather using something that is electric. The shamas which is the called the attendant candle. That's the one that we use to light all the other lights. That could be either a bit higher or a bit lower, um, and that goes then on the ninth, uh, so to speak, branch of the menorah. And many, many people have the tradition to use a beeswax candle for the shamas. So even if you're using oil, that you use a beeswax candle. And, of course, um, it is very difficult to maneuver a um, an oil-lit uh, wick and utilize that to light the other uh, candles, and therefore a beeswax candle um, comes kind of second to that as well. We've got to remember that the shamus's primary objective is that um, w once the candles are lit, of course, we don't put it out. We keep it burning. We put it set on the menorah in its special different place, and um, we keep it there. So there are actually two reasons. One is in case any of the other lights go out that we've got that shamus there ready burning and able to rekindle them. And, uh, of course, the second most important reason is that we're told in the Hanero and in the laws of Hanukkah that we may not use the Hanukkah lights for light per se. We don't read by it. We don't um, do our work using the light of the menorah to light up um, and provide us with light, even if you do have a power failure. And therefore, the shamus burning there um, uh, obviates that. It makes it possible that just in case we walked past or we stood in front of the menorah and used the light that we could always say that we actually used the light of the shamus, which really has no significance in the eight candles of the menorah themselves. We'll be back with you right after this.
This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. And welcome back, 25 past 2. Great to be with you and back here on Judaism 101.9. And we're talking Hanukkah, the practicalities. So who is it who has to light the menorah? Well, interestingly enough, men and women alike are obligated to participate in the menorah lighting. This is not just a men's only story. Um, in some families, uh, there is the custom that the head of the household lights but everybody else listens and answers amen to the brochas. And in many other families, all the members of the household, including children, light their own menorah. But either way, according to halacha, according to Jewish law, the family, the people who are sleeping under that roof that night should be present at the time of the Hanukkah menorah lighting. And in fact, if um, everybody is not home, one should wait for them to come home in order to light the menorah in the presence of everybody, that everybody participates in this beautiful, beautiful Rich and wonderful mitzvah. Now, where should we light? The menorah needs to be lit in your own home. So if you're traveling out of town, you need to set up a menorah at the place that you're going to be staying for the night. If you're spending the night in a Jewish home, you have the option of giving the host some money to uh, participate in the menorah expenses. And then you're covered by his or her menorah lighting. But better yet, better still, you should light your own menorah. And remember, of course, that two menorahs burning um, will have double the light, be more powerful than just one. What happens with students who are perhaps living in dormitories? Of course, this doesn't really always practically apply here, but you may have kids who are in a dormitory or in a flat or whatever, sharing with others overseas. Um, if you're in dormitory or own apartment, you should light menorah at your own room or where sometimes they won't permit that um, it is done like in a communal space in a communal dining room Um, but in places of course where this is all prohibited you should as we said before consult a rabbi for instance in a hospital and so on Um, in a home when you're lighting at home there are of course two uh, well-known preferred locations for the menorah Um, you can set up your menorah in a central doorway and you should place it then on a chair or a small table near the doorpost that is opposite the mezuzah. Now, that's, of course, if you have a mezuzah on that doorpost. If you're in a hotel and so on, we would put it on the um, side where the mezuzah would ordinarily go. In other words, on the right-hand side going into the room, um, that is where it would be placed if there's no mezuzah. However, if it's at the place where there is a mezuzah, we put it on the other side, opposite the mezuzah. We place it on a chair or a table um, so that when you actually go through the doorway, you're surrounded by the various mitzvot. You've got the mezuzah on the one hand, and of course you have the menorah on the other. And ideally, the height should not be too high. We should light the menorah at uh, between approximately 30 and 60 centimeters from the ground. Not very high, kind of the height of a chair would actually, or if you have a table that low, that would be uh, preferable to putting it actually on a table, which is already a little bit above uh, that measurement. The second way is uh, to light the menorah actually in a windowsill facing the street. But, of course, this should only be done if the window is less than about 10 meters above ground level. You would not do that kind of on the third or fourth or 28th story of a building facing onto the ground because um, unless you're in a helicopter or a drone, you're not going to actually see and pass by the menorah and it kind of defeats the purpose. We light the menorah every single night of Hanukkah 
And um, there are many different customs, or a couple of different customs, let's say, about the exact time for the menorah lighting. Some have the custom to light the menorah shortly after sunset. So if we take sunset today, take sunset today to be approximately around about, let's say, in the region of quarter to 10 to 7, um, shortly thereafter, kind of edging to 7 o'clock would be the right time to light the menorah according to um, that custom. Um, then, of course, one would need to make sure that the menorah burns well into the night. You've got to make sure then that it actually burns 30 minutes after nightfall. So if nightfall is approximately 7.15, let's say, um, during this week, then it should burn till at least quarter to 10 to 8. Um, and so therefore, if you're lighting early, it's preferable if you're lighting either larger candles or you're lighting an oil um, menorah where at least the oil is going to burn for that hour or a little bit beyond that. Um, others have the uh, custom that they rather light the menorah shortly after nightfall. Um, so that would be around about 7.15, 7.20 um, this evening. Um, and that is the time that the menorah is then lit throughout, with the exception, of course, of Friday night and Shabbos, which we will talk about in a moment. So coming up for this um, Friday night and the Shabbos, we have the um, idea of being able to fill our homes with both the Hanukkah menorah lights as well as Shabbat candle lights. Now, um, which one comes first? Which do we do first? Now, usually we follow the prescription of the fact that if something is regular and something is irregular, we would do the regular first. However, in this instance, we would have a problem because as soon as we've lit the Shabbat candles and a woman lights the candles, she accepts Shabbat upon herself and upon her household, um, it would then be impossible to light the Hanukkah menorah. So we have to reverse it. On Friday night, we have to light the menorah. The uh, Hanukkah candles are lit before we light Shabbat candles. So if candle lighting time um, is established at, let's say, and I'm not giving exact here, let's say 6.30 um, on the Friday evening, the menorah should be lit shortly before that so that um, they would burn as well till about 10 to 8. And then thereafter, um, we would light the Shabbat candles. We've got to remember that um, on Friday night, our regular little Hanukkah candles will not suffice, even though you have got enough in the box there to make sure that they go around. And, of course, um, we all know that um, most Hanukkah menorah boxes of candles come with 44 candles in them because that provides you with Eight seven six five four three two one in reverse order, all totaled up, um, plus the eight shamosim, and that would give you um, forty-four candles. So they provide enough candles to be lit on Friday night as well. However, the small little Hanukkah candles, as we mentioned before, would probably last about thirty, maximum about thirty-five minutes, um, and lighting them as we would need to on Friday night, much earlier. Um, at approximately, as we said, 6.30 or so, um, we've got to make sure that they burn. And, of course, if you bring in Shabbat earlier, you've got to light them even earlier than that. They will be out way before it actually gets dark. And, therefore, we have to, on Friday night, light a bigger candle 
preferably therefore using olive oil and so on, making sure that the cup is uh, filled with the oil that it will burn until that 10 to 5 to 8 um, on, uh, uh, on Friday night. Um, and if you're not using olive oil, if you're using a regular menorah, I would recommend that you either light tea lights or you, if they don't fit on your menorah, you use regular like Shabbat candles um, in the menorah itself because those will then burn for um, probably two, two and a half hours. And, of course, that then will fulfill the Hanukkah menorah lighting for Friday night. We should ideally light the menorah at the first possible opportunity. So if it's your custom to light, um, as we said, before or just after sunset rather or just after nightfall, um, we should not delay unless, as we said before, you're waiting for the arrival of members of the family. Um, when we're talking about um, the lighting of the menorah, um, we should make sure that we do not light um, any later than about an hour before dawn, so if you've been out at a late night party and you come home in the early hours of the morning, um, we should make sure that the menorah is lit while it is still dark, um, before there are actually people in the street, before it becomes active outside, and um, if not, um, we have missed the opportunity to light the menorah. Um, we do not light it then during the day. Okay, when we um, light the menorah, we've got to make sure always that there is enough oil and that it could burn for the requisite amount of time that we have said before. We've got to make sure that everybody has gotten together. We light the shamus candle and we hold it in our right hand, of course, unless you're left-handed, when you would hold it in your left hand. And while we're standing, we recite the appropriate blessings. We then light the candles. Now, each night... We light the can, the newest candle first. So tonight we're going to have two candles. If you're standing facing your menorah, you have got, you put, you, last night you would have had one on the extreme right hand side of your uh, menorah. That would be for light number one, night number one. Now you would be adding a second candle. Um, in space number two, and you would light the new candle first. So you would light two and then one. Tomorrow night, you're going to write three, two, and one, and so on. So each night, we light the newest, the leftmost candle first, and we continue lighting then from left to right. And we add the lights to the menorah from right to left, while we light from left to right. And the menorah brachas. Last night we would have said three brachot. The first one is on the mitzvah of Lahadlik Neir Chanukah. On the second one is Sha'asa Nisim, that God made us miracles for our forefathers in those days. And it applies, of course, to this time as well. Last night we would have said the bracha Shechayanu. God has preserved us to keep us uh, to this moment to be able to reach this time. But that, of course, falls away for tonight and for all the subsequent nights of Hanukkah. We should stay with the menorah and we should sit there um, watching uh, the menorah, looking at it burning. It's quite inspiring and very uplifting to see the lights of the menorah. Um, practically speaking, one can, and people often do, and perhaps this is where the idea of playing dreidel actually came from, that uh, you sit with your kids, your family, you do something family-oriented um, in that environment, whether it's uh, having something to eat and drink, whether it's having a Hanukkah party, um, whether it's playing dreidel, but at least being in the presence of the menorah, we should stick around for some time. Of course, on a Friday night, this is not always possible, unless, of course, you're staying home. Um, but when you need to go to shul and so on, we do light. And as long as there is somebody uh, present in the house, um, that's fine to leave the menorah. Remember, we've got a safety concern as well. And we make sure that we um, don't uh, kind of turn our backs and run away from the menorah at any stage um, at all.
There are many um, who, of course, refrain from, and the Torah actually, the halacha actually tells us we should refrain from doing any work um, in the half hour um, that we're supposed to be with the menorah. And there is also a halachic requirement that we do not get involved in sitting down to a meal or getting carried away with uh, friends or a meeting or whatever approximately half an hour before the time of the lighting of the menorah itself um, because uh, this is a mitzvah that we don't want to neglect and we don't want to push off. We should rather postpone those things to have them a little bit later on. And it's also traditional that women refrain from doing household chores during that first half hour when the menorah is actually lit. Now, we've got to remember that um, the menorah, um, especially on Hanukkah, has got um, so so many beautiful, beautiful uh, things that it that it represents to us. Um, and of course, when it comes to Jews, the thing we know best is the Hanukkah foods. Well, what are the Hanukkah foods? Well, traditionally, there was the idea of potato latkes um, and a latke, which is kind of a potato uh, pancake. Um, that uh, people sometimes eat with uh, applesauce or sour cream or whatever. And um, the Israeli tradition of having sufganiya or a donut um, is, um, of course, traditional at this time. Both of them, obviously, have the oil component, and that is um, where this um, whole tradition uh, really originates from. It's eating something oily. Now, you might jump up and down and say, well, how unhealthy? Well, then, who said that any of our stuff um, that has to do with our chagim and so on is absolutely from a physical health point of view, but it certainly does taste good, and it certainly does remind us of all the wonderful things that happened and the great miracles that happened with the oil. So hopefully, even the foods that we eat and the fun that we have will be symptomatic of and hone in on the beautiful, beautiful Nisim, the miracles of Hanukkah. I'll be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we're uh, talking about Hanukkah now. If we think about the fact that the Pesach Seder is uh, primarily carried out in your privacy of your own home. When we talk about Rosh Hashanah, uh, many of the other Chagim, we go to Shul to hear the Shofar. Um, but there's only one Chag. There's only one holiday. Its primary mitzvah is completely public-oriented. And the message meaning that we need to advertise and broadcast, and that is this special Chag of Hanukkah. Um, originally, our sages established um, Hanukkah instituted that it should be lit, as we mentioned before, in the entrances of our homes. People would light, like on the doorstep leading out into the street, in order to publicize the miracle. And many of the laws of Hanukkah actually uh, really embody and embellish this theme. Because uh, if you take, for example, uh, in the Talmud in Shabbos 23b, it explains that one who only has enough money uh, for either Hanukkah candles or wine for Kiddush, should purchase the candles and make do with a wineless Kiddush. And why? It is because the Hanukkah lights are more important, because of Prisume Nisa, because of actually spreading the message of the miracle. So we have um, the idea of the publicity of it all, and that is why uh, we launch into, as Chabad does 
all over the world, uh, public displays of menorahs around uh, town, in town squares and so on. And, of course, um, invite everybody to join us at the public menorah lightings, particularly if you can think about being or uh, make your effort to be there on Sunday evening um, at uh, the Santon, Santon City main entrance going into Santon City on Ravonia Road. It will be a great and wonderful um, setup of uh, menorah lighting activities for the kids and so on from 5.30 till 7.30 on Sunday evening. It will be a great time for all. And to make sure you're there, make sure you don't miss it. A wonderful opportunity to celebrate Hanukkah in style. But, of course, there are other menorahs around town. Not only there will the menorah be lit every night, but it is, of course, at Kosher World as well as at the Norwood Mall. Um, just some of the places where there are these grand public menorah lightings. And, of course, the foundation is the idea of Prisume Nisa, of spreading the miracle, of making it public and of making it well-known. There are a couple of other traditions that um, I wanted to mention that have to do with Hanukkah. And uh, one of them is, of course, playing with a dreidel. So you know what a dreidel is? A dreidel is a little spinning top, and that spinning top has the words on it, which are Nes Gadol Hayasham, which means a great miracle happened there. Um, the dreidel is a Yiddish word, which comes from the word dre, which means to turn or to spin, and it's um, specifically designed for um, the Hanukkah um, a game which he, in Hebrew they call it a sivivon, known as a dreidel. It actually dates back to the time of the Syrian Greek rule over the Holy Land, which set off the Maccabees revolt, culminating in uh, in the great Hanukkah miracle because learning Torah was outlawed and the children hid in caves in order to study. And when a Greek patrol of the soldiers came about, they would pretend to be playing a game with a spinning top, um, and that's probably where it all came from. But it does give a um, a nice little feeling of a community game that we can play at that time. Of course, we can also touch money, and so there is the idea of giving Hanukkah guilt. And Hanukkah guilt is given to children, teaching children not only the idea of the fact that we get gifts, that we get presents, which I suppose there are other religions at this time who feel that that is um, an important part of uh, the whole game plan of this period of time. But uh, Hanukkah guilt was um, uh, for a number of reasons. Um, the uh, one was... Um, that the uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo uh, talked about uh, counting money as an example of what menorah lights cannot be used for. Um, uh, the Code of Jewish Law explains that the menorah's candles can can only be viewed to recall the miracle and not for any other purpose. So he says it includes counting money as an example. We're not allowed to count money in front in front of it, in front of the menorah, and therefore we give out Hanukkah guilt as a way to remember. <laughs> This particular rule. Uh, the Talmud refers to money on Hanukkah when it cautions us to light at the very least one candle per household, um, even if we've got to go door to door for candle funds. But the widespread custom of giving Hanukkah guilt enabled the poor to actually be able to light the menorah properly each night adding a candle uh, without feeling any embarrassment. But of course, we teach our children the idea of tzedakah as well. And so when giving children Hanukkah guilt, we should make sure that we have a and then understand the concept of giving to others as well. They may certainly take some that they enjoy for themselves, but they should always have the opportunity and be encouraged to give some of it away to people who are less fortunate um, and less privileged than them. 
Now, what does the actual message of Hanukkah, what should it actually mean to us? Well, um, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe used to say we must listen carefully to what the candles are saying. So what are they actually teaching us? And here are a couple of important or a few important messages. First of all, we should never be afraid to stand up for what's right. Yehuda Maccabee, of course, and his band, um, they faced the most daunting of odds, but that did not stop them. And with their faith and their prayers, their tefillot, they entered the battle of their lives and they won. And in fact, we've got to remember that we can do the same. Number two, we should always be on the increase in matters of goodness, kindness, Torah observance, and so on. Um, of course, a single flame might have been good last night, but today we need two. Today we need to increase it tonight to one better and tomorrow to three and so on. The idea of increasing in our acts of kindness, in our acts of goodness, in our mitzvot, in our Torah learning. Um, this is the angle that the Jewish people always adopt. Um, moving ever higher, doing ever better. Number three, we've got to remember that a small flame, a little bit of light, can dispel a tremendous amount of darkness. We know that the Hanukkah candles are lit just when it's getting dark, and they are a beacon of light that um, no matter how dark it is in a room, how dark it is outside, um, godliness and the light that we as Jews can make and can bring to the fore with our Torah and our mitzvot and our acts of goodness and kindness, we can transform that darkness itself and cause it to all become light. Fourthly, we've got to remember that Hanukkah has the primary observance of being public. It's not really enough, and particularly not in today's day and age, where we do not face, thank God, the persecution of our faith, certainly not in this country, as in many, many places around the world. Um, just being a Jew at heart is not really enough. We need to make sure that we take it outwards, that we publicize, that we are proud um, that we're out there, that it's not something that we shy away from, that we're ashamed of in any way, God forbid, but rather that we're very proud Jews and we stand up in that pride with our Chanukia, our Chanukah menorahs uh, burning bright. And finally, we should not be ashamed of the performance of every or any mitzvah, um, even if you feel that you may be a little bit different uh, by doing them, but we should, like the menorah, be proud radiant, burning bright, and uh, take it out there and make sure that everybody understands just how proud we actually are to be Jewish, how proud we are that we've got this divine mission to bring to the world the idea of light, the idea of brightness, the idea of chasing away, sending away anything that is associated with darkness in whichever possible way we possibly can. So that's the message of Hanukkah. We hope that you have a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. Beautiful Hanukkah Sameach, a Freilichen Hanukkah, and uh, please God, um, a wonderful Lichtiken Hanukkah, a very, very beautiful lit up Hanukkah that lights up, illuminates from you and from your home and from your menorah to all over the world. And please God, very, very soon we will be privileged to see the menorah burning bright in its private place in the temple, in the Beit HaMikdash, in Yerushalayim, Irak Hodesh, in Jerusalem, our holy city. Please God, with the coming of Mashiach now. Shabbat Shalom. Take care. Chanukah Sameach.